How can entrepreneurs stop being dependent on a single source of income by trading and investing in the financial market? My name is Joachim Alsta and I welcome you to Financial Success Secrets. What are the four commonalities among the best investors? Welcome back to Financial Success Secrets. And I brought with me again my dear friend Marcy because she's reading a book where this topic was brought up. So she mentioned that, hey, we should uh, talk about this and shed some light upon this and share this with uh, share this with you guys who are listening. Hi, Marcy. Welcome back. Hi, Joachim. Thanks so much. It's great to be back. Thanks. And I really love your suggestion on, uh, on the topic for today and uh, spotting these uh, four commonalities among the best investors. By the way, what is the book that you are reading? Oh, awesome. So yes, the book is actually uh, called Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Uh, this is a, a reread for me. It's a fantastic book. And as I was going through, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was, you know, the best tools, the best things. And this came across as, well, what do the best investors do? And what are the trends? And so uh, it's an interview that Tim actually had done with our, our good friend there, Tony Robbins. Um, and Tony had done a ton of research and spoken to some of like the world's best investors, you know, Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, many, many more, and looked across all of the trends and found those four most common things. So I thought that's fantastic. Like, why don't we share that? Let's talk about it. Let's dig in a little bit more and find out and see what else maybe, you know, if we have some examples that you might be able to share, uh, with people and mm. such. So yeah, let's, uh, if you're ready. I say we dig right in. Yeah, yeah that is amazing. These are uh, some of the best, best investor, most wealthy people on the planet as well. So yeah, there are some gold nuggets there. So I'm looking forward to share uh, this this with you. What is the first uh, commonality that uh, Tim Ferriss uh, brings up? Sure. So the very first commonality uh, is capping the downside mm. and really sort of, you know, when there's a point when maybe things aren't going as well, at what point do you stop and reevaluate or stop and change strategies? Yeah. Uh, and for investing, I thought you might be able to shed some light on this of, you know, talk a little bit more like around that or what a good example of that might be. Yeah. So I catching secrets. Yeah. I practice long-term investing and this is also a key principle there. And I know Tim Ferriss uh, briefly mentioned this as well among these points. Now, Okay, capping the downside, stopping the loss. What does that like really mean? And first and foremost, for investing, that process starts actually before you do any investing at all. It comes back to understanding what you invest in. And I know it's mentioned in the book with uh, Sir Richard Branson asking like, what is the downside? And that is a great question because there's... It can be really easy to find all the reasons why we should invest. Like we can get excited. Maybe people talk about it. We heard something great about if it's a company that we're going to invest in, or maybe a friend shared something mm -hmm. about a crypto, whatever it is. So it can be really easy to get excited and yes, like kind of put my money in there. It sounds good. But flipping that around and asking, yeah, like, can this go to zero? It's a very important uh, thing to ask ourselves. What is the one reason we shouldn't invest? Because that will bring some clarity on what is the risk that you actually are accepting. 
So it's all about understanding what we are investing in. And for long-term investing as well, part of that understanding what we are investing in would also be the fees aspect because fees can really eat up your funds or like your returns. And it's, it's huge. It's huge. Like and many people, are, for example, offer to invest on a regular basis, for example, in a pension fund. Maybe you're familiar with this, uh, Marcy. Like yes. Edema. Yeah. And for like some of these funds, people have to charge 2%. And you might say like 2%, it's nothing. You, I get to keep 98. Like, what is the deal? 2%, nothing. But the thing is that in the long term, like that percentage is going to eat up huge amounts of, of uh, your returns. Like it could eat up to 60% of the money like that was intended to be given back to you. And I saw this example and it affects just even small percentages as well. And I saw that, for example, just on my mortgage. Some while ago, I renegotiated the interest rate. And I got it down from 1.69 to 1.29. So it's a 0.4 difference. Does that really matter? 0.4? It's like, it sounds like nothing, right? <clears throat> but it turned out that over the course of the entire loan period, I was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I was actually going to save about 10% of the money that I borrowed. So 0.4% would turn out to 10%. So what does it mean? Like if, if I borrowed 300,000, it actually saved me 30,000 in interest over this wow. period, over 20 years. That's quite an amount of money. It's like, it's an extra vacation every year. So it's huge. That is, uh, so in long-term investing, cutting the losses, that stops even before you start investing. I love that. That is that is a really brilliant approach to something where, you know, mitigating the damage before you even start something and really digging and making sure that you're knowledgeable, making sure that, you know, you understand the the processes and what's going on before you jump into something. I think that absolutely is a great thing about, you know, how capping that downside. And I really like the mortgage example that you brought up because people don't realize that, oh, it's just a tiny bit of a percentage, but I think knowing your numbers is really important on that front. And if you don't, then that, you know, that's already like a potential risk that you may have not even thought of. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. So that, <clears throat> that explains, <clears throat> that explains why the financial industry has rigged the game because yeah, with us paying fees and even small percentages, yeah, they are massive sums. So knowing your numbers, educating yourself, it's huge. It, it will save save your pension. Absolutely. Um, yeah. To sum that up, Tony Robbins uh, summarizes really well. Like for, for every 1% in fee that you pay, you give away 10 years of pension income. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just to give our friends to know your numbers. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So the second one that we have on our list of commonalities across the best investors is asymmetrical risks and rewards. Mm -hmm. And the best investors really, 
you may think that they say, okay, I'm going to you know, bet this huge amount of money and it's going to be you know, a huge reward. But honestly, what a lot of the best investors do is look at something and say, okay, what if I put up a little bit of risk and then I got maybe five times the amount of reward back? Or what's the potential? Okay, here's what I'm investing. And then here's what I'm likely to get back. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think Jay Abraham had a really wonderful uh, story he told once. I don't remember all the details, but it was where he was able to, to leverage uh, something. So he actually had some, some videotapes or someone had some videotapes that for a business um, that they were able to get this company to get the videotapes for like, I don't know, let's say a dollar. And then they went to like a convenience store and said, hey, you've got some extra counter space here. What if I put this, you know, box of these, you know, cassette tapes at the time, so this may be a little dated. And for every single one, I, you know, that sells, I'll give you a dollar and, you know, you didn't have to really do anything else. You're right there at the checkout. They said, sure. And so all of a sudden you've got these sales coming in. You didn't have to do all this marketing and everything. You're paying them, uh, the, you know, the convenience store, you're paying the company for, you know, the tapes. And they already had these tapes, I guess, that were sitting around, not selling, not doing anything anyways. And so you're able to get them really cheap. And then if you sell them for $5, you know, pop, then you're making this profit and being able to, you know, have little to no risk to do that uh, was, was absolutely amazing and was able to be leveraged for that. So that's maybe a business example of it, but do you want to talk about maybe an example of that uh, in, in investing? Yeah, f- fantastic uh, example. Exactly. It's, it's about mastering low-risk, high-reward returns or low-risk investing, high-reward investing. <clears throat> and we, in terms of long-term investing, we actually preempted this and it comes back to knowing what we are investing in now we could deep a little bit de- uh, d- deeper and when looking at investment opportunities there are for example we could look at is the company now actually undervalued or overvalued like what is the price and for example when the pandemic became a fact that what happened then is a lot of people without much experience a lot of like normal people let's call them like yeah anybody started or a lot more people started investing into the stock market not having much experience before never doing it before but they heard like this is a great opportunity so what happened is that okay the when the pandemic became a fact the prices of stocks really plummeted it really went down but shortly after didn't take much long time like a month or one half month, then we saw okay, prices start going up again and they went up massively. What happened is that now it's actually very usual that companies are overvalued because there have been so many people coming and investing, putting so much money, and not having so much of these concepts that like the, the titans have have applied for themselves, but they just they just buy because I heard it's an opportunity. And for most that invested during the pandemic, it turned out really well. Like even if you invested on the worst day, like the day before the pandemic, like late February at the high before it went down, you will still make massive profits. Now, I'm not saying that that is a great uh, strategy, investing when prices are going up, up, up. I can talk a little bit more about that later. But the point is now with so many people doing investing, it's actually become a common theme that companies are, overvalued and that you're paying according to like the analysis of the company like 
would this give you a profit in the long term? Like, would this be a profitable investment? Then, okay, it's becoming actually quite common that you're paying quite much, like you're paying a high multiple of the share price of the stock price compared to like what that is projected to give back. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's something to understand. It comes back to understanding what you invest in. And uh, yeah, looking at some key factors and understanding this, that yeah, some of these like fundamentals, as we call them, like looking into the factors of the company, that th- that is really what's going to determine whether that company is most likely to yield or yeah, to give you the returns that you're looking for. But it changes over time as well. Now, another thing I would like to mention is okay, with all the uncertainty going on right now with the war in Europe, in Ukraine, and the stocks be falling again. When that happens, I look at that as a great sale. And one thing, one frame to that is, okay, because the prices have been higher in the past, so investors have been actually willing to pay a higher price in the past. So it's likely that the price is going to go back up there. And when it comes to investing in stocks, that is companies, or you might know it as shares, Stocks and shares are basically the same. It is that these companies that we invested, they they want to deliver value. And you and I as consumers, we want a better lifestyle. So with this race of providing better services, better quality, and you and I, we we are most likely willing to pay for that. Or we like we we want the next, we want the next phone, we want the next gadget, we we want a better lifestyle, we want to go travel, we want to have experiences. So there is this development all the time. And we have the history. The stock market, the share market been going up, 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 up. Yes, there are some downturns on the way, but overall, it's all about advancing technologically, increasing the lifestyle. But then, yeah, understanding what you invest in would be key. This, did this give some clarity? It did. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And really, I guess to add to that, looking at the patterns of, of the past and looking at that data and seeing like, okay, there's always been times of uncertainty. There will always be times where there's, you know, more uncertainty, but when we're able to look and, you know, understand, okay, well, this is what happened before. Let's use that as a, you know, some framework to be able to bring forward to say, okay, well, maybe now it's going down, but there's, there's definitely data to prove what goes down will come back up. And, yeah. So thanks so much for your, your points on that. And to, to really clarify, yeah, risks versus the rewards on that. Yeah. The third one that we have is asset allocation. And I think they actually had mentioned in the book uh, in regards to asset allocation that the best investors assume that they are going to be wrong. <laughs> and I thought that was that was really intriguing. Okay. Well, that's a different mindset maybe than, than many people have when they go into investing. Mm. And I talked about that assuming they were going to be wrong because oftentimes that does happen. And by accounting for that and by diversifying their portfolio, diversifying their assets, then when they were wrong, it cost them a lot less. So they almost anticipated that. So you want to share a little bit more about why that's so important and any other thoughts you might have on it? Yeah. Assuming that uh, you will be wrong. Like, Sorry, that could be a great expectation setting for yourself. Yeah, assuming that you are going to be wrong. And what that could do to the mindset as well is, especially for long-term investing, 
is that we're willing to see that the price of our, our investment goes down. And if we go back to the previous points, when we have done our research, when we know what we invest in, when we invest in something solid, then we know that, okay, there might be some temporary news. Let's say there's a war going on. So a lot of people become fearful, prices goes down. But we know that we invested in something solid. When people see that, okay, the world is going to survive, prices will go up. So having this expectation as well for long-term investing that, okay, price is going to drop, it can help us make more profits because then we can apply something known as cost averaging. And that is when prices drop that we actually continue investing because it's going to push your average price down. So that is in terms of asset allocation as well. Like it's, it's, it includes money management. We could include that here with when you pick your investment that you don't invest all your money at once in the particular investments, but you spread them out as well, being prepared that the price might drop. And then asset allocation as well was really huge is that we don't put all our eggs into the same basket. So for example, yes. if we invest in stocks, in shares, that is companies, that you don't put all the money into the same company that you might have fallen in love with one particular investment, but yeah, if that company goes bankrupt, you lost it all. And then we can take a higher level view. Like it's it's a good idea to consider to not put all your money into the stock market, into shares, but there are other asset classes, hence asset allocation. For example, commodities, precious metals, there are crypto, there are real estate. These are different asset classes. And the idea is to invest in something that is not correlated. So it doesn't really help to invest. For ex- So an example is, is it doesn't really help to invest in an oil company and you also buy oil because if the price yeah. of oil drops, what happens to the value of the oil company? They are most likely linked so that we have that in mind that, yeah, we diversify is what we want to do. Do proper asset allocation. Because as you said, these titans, the best investors, they assume they're gonna be wrong, and um, uh, the thing I had, the, I had a thing on my mind, and it's gonna come back in a moment. It's gonna come back. <laughs> I like what you said about the not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so true for investing for crypto. Also, I think in life too, just to to make sure that you're diversified hmm. and not banking on the one thing. Yeah. Uh, in order for you know to achieve your goal or for to achieve success, so yeah. it came yeah. it came back to my mind right now. And oh, awesome! Yes, <laughs> and uh, Warren Buffett is an advocate of uh, this, um, and that is the most important thing you can do as an investor is protecting your money, and that is what mm. asset allocation is. That is what risk management is. It's all about protecting your money. That's the most important thing you can do as an investor. Yeah, absolutely. To make sure that. You know, you're you're protecting what you have and not uh, what's the term that some people use that the betting the farm. Of, okay, no, we we want to protect the farm. We want to continue to have things grow so we can build a better, bigger farm yeah. uh, without losing it all. And exactly. and doing that with you know smart strategies, knowing what we're what we're investing in, and then really uh, yeah diversifying. Mm. The final one for uh, the final commonality that all of these investors had in was they 
all were very, very big on contribution. Mm. So giving back, donating to charities and really like paying that forward and focusing on something that was really meaningful to them and that they wanted to make a difference on in the world. Uh, I also think that that is really important uh, no matter how we're investing, that investing that back into, into the world, into the planet, into people and whatever causes that we're passionate about. Mm. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on that? I can uh, share that. I had the pleasure of, for example, buying food to families less fortunate than myself here where I live in Oslo, Norway. And it is an amazing experience to see what kind of impact it has for these families. Oh, yeah, how they can, uh, something that is so simple for at least me to do. And I take it for granted every day that I have food, but these families not, don't necessarily take that for granted. To seeing the impact it can have, giving back, yeah. It can help us getting some contrast on life as well and practice appreciation. And it's not to feel important in any way or yeah, to get uh, someone to pat yourself on the shoulder. It just, yeah, you know, know for yourself that you made a difference and you can help people give back. It's like happiness is a community feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I love that happiness is a community feeling. Yeah. It's great. It brings it because it's it's not just about happiness for us too. I think one of the things that I've seen make individuals happy is in fact bringing that happiness, bringing that joy and giving that to other people. Mm. And oftentimes I think that we will do more for others than we will even do for ourselves. And that plays into it as well. So yeah, this has been great. Do you want me to go ahead and recap the four things? Oh, yeah, please. That would be awesome. And uh, yeah, then we wrap it up with our catching move. So please. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> so today we have to talk about the uh, four commonalities across the best investors in the world. And the first one is capping the downside. Uh, the second is asymmetrical risks and rewards. We talked about asset allocation, not keeping all of your eggs in one basket, uh, and contribution to make sure that you're also getting fulfillment from investing. Mm. Do you Fantastic. have anything else to add? No, as well uh, summarized, Anna Marcy. It's been awesome. Keep up reading awesome books. And Absolutely. I would love, love to hear. Tried. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear about more insights you're able to pull out of these of these titans of uh, successful people who have walked the path ahead of us. So thank you very much. I'm not sure if, have you joined our catching move before we're doing this? I think we did this last time. And I, I was getting there. I just got to work on my timing. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so let's do it. Our right. arm up and say catching. Cat catching. <laughs> awesome. Stay happy. Stay safe. See you guys. Bye. If you want to get rid of any uncertainty and doubt on how to make profitable investments, go to bit.ly forward slash FSS hyphen start that is bit.ly forward slash fss hyphen start the other option is if you found this show interesting i deeply appreciate any support you can give you can go to bit.ly forward slash fss hyphen support that is bit.ly forward slash fss hyphen support in order to support my journey to bring this message to even more people. Thanks. 
Disclaimer, trading and investing are high risk activities. I never give advice. I only share my experience and what is working for me. Do your own research before taking any action and invest and trade only with money you can afford to lose.